0: एक हो गए To not boring. All right. So today is part two in a two part series on India's largest company, Reliance. I suspect that most of the people reading this newsletter, listening to this podcast, could recite the Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google stories by heart. The American tech giants are widely covered and rightfully so. They're the biggest companies in the world and they're still growing really fast. These companies do everything vertically integrating and acquiring competitive threats on the path to dominance. But there's a new breed of tech leader emerging in Asia, led by Tencent, Alibaba, and SoftBank, that turn their first acts as product-first companies into second acts as investors. By spreading out their bets, Tencent and Alibaba have made themselves future-proof. They have upside whether customers choose their products or new entrants, because they own large stakes in the most promising startups. SoftBank, we'll see, but I'm bullish. Currently, Reliance is taking the Western approach, but I think it would do well to follow its Asian neighbors' lead. The opportunity is just too large for anyone, even Mukesh Ambani, to take on all by themselves. So I'll explain in today's piece, Reliance's next act, the cricket proxy war. Outside of Philly and Duke sports, my favorite sports teams in the world is the Mumbai Indians, the Indian Premier League cricket team owned by the Ambani family. If you don't follow cricket, I highly recommend the Netflix series Cricket Fever Mumbai Indians as your gateway after watching the indian team in the cricket world cup every four years last year was the first year that puja and i watched the indians religiously we got a willow subscription and woke up at odd hours to lock in for four hours of high-paced t20 cricket every match in the corner of the screen we saw a logo that said vivo ipl the indian premier league's logo looks a lot like the league logos westerners are used to seeing a silhouette of someone playing the sport with three letters with one difference a title sponsor in 2019 That title sponsor was Vivo, a Chinese smartphone company. This year, when the crowdless 2020 IPL season started in Dubai, we noticed a different logo. Dream 11 had replaced Vivo as the title sponsor. Vivo signed a deal to sponsor the IPL through 2022, but amidst the China-India conflicts, India's cricket board dropped it in favor of a homegrown sponsor. Dream 11, the $2.5 billion Indian fantasy cricket startup, took its place. China was out, India was in, at Manirbar Bart. Uncharacteristically, Reliance took a backseat on the title sponsorship, but its influence is j- there. It's just spread out. Geo is the only company that sponsors all eight IPL teams. Its patch sits prominently on six teams' jerseys. It's just cricket, but when I look at that chain of events, I see Reliance's future. China's disappearance from the IPL and Geo's multiple bets points to Reliance's opportunity and the approach it should take in the Indian startup ecosystem. Reliance's Future. Reliance is a history of vertically integrating, but paradoxically, to capture the most value from the internet, it needs to loosen its grip. Instead of doing everything itself, Reliance should become India's biggest growth stage investor. On Monday, in Reliance Gateway of India, we covered Reliance's history and present. Reliance is a sprawling giant that spins cash flow from its legacy businesses into a tech-forward future. It's India's biggest company at $202 billion market cap on revenues of $105 billion, It has a new focus. Reliance Retail and Geo make up 30% of revenue, or about $31 billion, but took up the lion's share of the screen time at the company's most recent annual general meeting. It runs the Reliance playbooks. It undertakes projects with high upfront costs, building complex businesses around them, wrangling Indian supply and demand, spreading out the costs over hundreds of millions of users, leveraging its favorable position with the government, and selling stakes to foreign companies and investors. All of that together means that it's the gateway of India. Foreign companies and investors poured $20.4 billion into GEO for a 33% stake and are in the middle of investing in Reliance Retail, which has raised $5.1 billion for 8.5%. Reliance, which had raised billions of dollars in net debt to fund its new projects, now has zero net debt, strong relationships with the world's largest investors, communications and retail infrastructure that powers India, and the support of the Modi government, with whom it is working to realize PM Modi's mission of Atmanir Barbarat, a self-reliant India that takes its place as a power on the global stage. In part two of the essay, we'll cover Reliance's future and that of the Indian startup ecosystem, which will become increasingly intertwined. We'll talk about Made by Reliance. Reliance is always vertically integrated. Geo and retail seem to be following the same path with homegrown and acquired solutions. That works better for infrastructure than it does for consumer apps. Two, the Indian tech and startup ecosystem. The bull case for India tech is that it is China, just seven or eight years behind with better Western relations. Realizing the bull case would mean multiple hundred billion dollar tech companies and trillions of dollars of value creation. As it stands, Chinese investors will capture more upside in India than Reliance. And finally, Reliance is Tencent and SoftBank Opportunity. Reliance is well positioned to become the next Asian mega conglomerate turned investor. It can follow either Tencent's or SoftBank's approach with a unique Indian spin. To date, Reliance is only built or acquired, while a thriving startup ecosystem has grown up around and on top of GEO. This is Reliance's opportunity, to become the largest investor in India's booming tech ecosystem. Investing in Indian startups represents a massive opportunity, but Reliance will need to evolve how it operates to take advantage of it. Made by Reliance Owning as much of the value chain as possible is in Reliance's DNA but it will need to find some corporate CRISPR to thrive in a time of geo-powered Indian tech abundance. As discussed in part one, Reliance's history is one of vertical integration. From import licenses on yarn, to textiles manufacturing, to petrochemicals, to petroleum refineries, Dhirubhai and Bani push Reliance to own an increasing amount of the value chain. Mukesh is no different. Instead of selling equity early or entering JVs to finance his two biggest projects, Reliance retail and geo, Reliance raised debt, And did the hard work itself, only selling stakes to foreign investors when his new business lines were well established. Reliance built out the infrastructure and reduced its net debt to zero, and now it's building the devices, OS, and products and services on top of it with in house or fully acquired technology or via exclusive partnerships with global tech giants. In an excellent overview, what is Reliance Geo's plan? Arjun Mahotra of Indian VC Good Capital. Described Reliance's plan to move up the stack with GEO, vertically integrating from infrastructure up to products and services. Reliance and the global tech companies that recently invested in GEO are working together to build out the full mobile stack. Infrastructure. Through GEO, Reliance built a wireless data and broadband network across all of India over the past decade. It's now the largest telco in India. Device. With Google and Qualcomm, GEO is building an affordable smartphone for the Indian market. Operating system. Old Geo phones ran on the Linux-based KaiOS, but new Geophone phone will run on Android. And product and services. Geo will work with Facebook and its WhatsApp subsidiary to build the super app through which Indian consumers do everything they need to do online. When Geo launched its wireless data service in 2016, it launched GeoChat as its answer to Facebook's WhatsApp and Tencent's WeChat. The product looks like a WhatsApp clone. Since then, Reliance has all but abandoned GeoChat as its entrance to the super app Battle Royale. Its website hilariously features testimonials from 2016 befitting a pre-seed, pre-customer startup, and slapped on an integration with its music service, Geo It reminds me of a Spotify integration I was so proud of building into a website for my party bus company in 2013, just to show that I could. And there's pictures of it in the doc. It's terrible. Instead, through Facebook's $5.7 billion investment in Geo, the two companies are forming a partnership that could solidify WhatsApp as India's super app already india is whatsapp's biggest market with over 400 million monthly active users and is also the second largest market for facebook's instagram with 80 million users but facebook has faced regulatory hurdles in attempting to expand its indian offering beyond chat it has been unable to launch whatsapp pay for example despite years of attempts luckily for facebook jumping over or through regulatory hurdles in india is what reliance does best combined the two companies can offer an all-in-one platform where they can chat shop get healthcare, find things to do, and more. Facebook and Reliance are starting small, in part to assuage concerns that Reliance serves as the conduit through which foreign tech giant can steal business from local companies. The two are partnering on Geomart, which is itself a partnership between Reliance Retail and Geo, allowing users to order from local Kiranas via WhatsApp. Messaging the local Kirana for delivery is an existing Indian consumer behavior, accelerated by COVID, that the two companies hope to make more frictionless through their partnership. From there, it's easy to imagine a world in which WhatsApp, powered by Geo, becomes the way that Indian consumers access the internet, with the super app essentially serving as the OS, as WeChat does in China. As I wrote in Tencent, The Ultimate Outsider, Chinese users do everything on WeChat. They communicate with friends, coworkers, and clients through WeChat. Businesses communicate with customers through official accounts. They can also sell things through those accounts. Thousands of businesses, including ride-sharing, Didi, and food delivery, Meituan Dianping, launched on WeChat. Tencent's approach should be instructive for alliance. Even though WeChat sits in the most valuable position in China's mobile value chain, Tencent decided to prioritize investing over building for most categories. In his piece, Tencent Has No Dreams, blogger Pan Luan criticized the company for losing its product focus, abandoning in-house projects in favor of investments. He missed the point. By leveraging its place in the value chain, Tencent could watch battles play out in each category and back the winners, instead of building its own category laggards. Instead of building its own social commerce app, it invested in Pinduoduo. Instead of building its own local shopping app, it invested in Meituan Dienping. Instead of building out its own e-commerce store to rival Alibaba, it invested in JD.com. Recall Ben Thompson's concept of the Bill Gates line as a definition of a platform, based on this Bill Gates quote about Facebook as a platform. This isn't a platform. A platform is when the economic value of everybody that uses it exceeds the value of the company that creates it. Then it's a platform. A short-term play to capture as much value as possible from the services on top of a platform has negative long-term consequences to the value of the platform overall. With the right incentives in place, the ecosystem can build better products than the platform owner. Reliance is right to partner with Facebook to make WhatsApp the platform on top of which the Indian mobile economy runs, but it will undershoot its potential if it continues to attempt to vertically integrate the services on top of that platform. To name just a few examples, Reliance has built or acquired solutions for e-commerce through GeoMart, for which it acquired NowFloats and Find, Education, for which it acquired Imbibe, GeoMeet, uh, which is very much a 10 cent move. 10 cent built VOV as a Zoom competitor. Geo built GeoMeet Payments, it has GeoMoney, uh, which just launched, but competes with existing solutions like Paytm, PhonePe, Google Pay, BHIM, and MobileQuick. Healthcare GeoHealth is like a teledoc or Lavango for India. Entertainment it has GeoCinema, which is its own OTT streaming service, and GeoTV Plus, which is an aggregator of streaming services like Netflix and Prime, etc. Uh, in a set-top box, it acquired uh, Savin to become GeoSavin as its music app. Uh, it has GeoChat, which we talked about, and it, for which it acquired Haptic. But despite its buying spree and massive budget, Mahotra points out that as a result. Reliance doesn't have the leading consumer aggregator in any category that it plays in. Because Reliance has been insistent on building itself, it has missed out on the upside from category leaders being created in India's thriving ecosystem. Fortunately for Reliance and for Indian consumers, it has been handed another gift from the government, a chance to get in the fastest-growing game in town. The Indian tech and startup landscape. To understand Reliance's opportunity, you need to understand the Indian tech and startup landscape. The bull case for Indian tech is that it is China, just 7 or 8 years behind, but with better Western relations. According to Deval Koteca, the Indian economy has some major tailwinds and will continue to be one of the world's most dynamic consumption environments for five reasons. One, income growth. The Indian economy is expected to grow at 7.5% per year through 2030. The lower middle and upper middle classes have grown fastest since 2005, from 23 and 7% respectively to 33 and 21% today. The upper middle class and upper class are expected to double, from 21 and 3% today to 44 and 7% in 2030. 2. Steady and dispersed urbanization. In 2005, 28% of the population lived in cities. Today, 34% do. And by 2030, 40% of Indians will live in cities. 3. Favorable demographics. Today, 82% of India's population is under 50 years old. And by 2030, 77% of the population will comprise of millennials and Gen Z. Four, tech and innovation. There will be one billion Indian internet users by twenty thirty, driven in large part by GEO, which has reduced data prices by ninety five percent since twenty fourteen. And five, evolving consumer attitudes. As the population skews younger, richer, and tech friendlier, more commerce will take place online. The online retail market is expected to quadruple from thirty billion today to one hundred to one hundred twenty billion in twenty twenty five. Koteka highlights that India trails China by seven years in internet users and eight years in online shopping penetration, and that both are on much deeper growth trajectory than the U.S. If India becomes the next China, its tech companies will create massive value over the next decade. A decade ago, China had four of the ten largest companies in the world by market cap. PetroChina, an oil and gas, ICBC, a bank, China Mobile, a telco, and China Construction Bank, also a bank worth a combined $890 billion. Reliance looks similar to that composition. It is both India's largest energy player and its largest telco. Today, China has two companies in the global top 10, Alibaba at $831 billion and Tencent at $688 billion. Both companies drove and benefited from the sharp rise in internet usage and e-commerce in China and from investing in China's ecosystem early. Tencent, for example, owns 20% of Meituan Dianping which despite being a decade old, is worth as much, $201 billion, as all of Reliance Industries today. Other investments like JD.com at $127 billion and Duo at $100 billion, are worth about as much individually as all of the Indian unicorns are worth today combined. Over the past half decade, India's unicorn production has accelerated faster than any other country in the world, but it still has a lot of room to run. China, with its eight-year head start, has 227 private unicorns worth $869 billion, according to Harun. Chinese tech companies have created trillions of dollars worth of value. India's are less than 10% of the way there. According to CB Insights and Harun, there are 33 Indian unicorns, which are startups worth at least $1 billion on paper, including Zorota, which hasn't raised outside capital and bootstrapped its way to an estimated $3 billion valuation. That number does include Flipkart, of which Walmart bought 81% for $16 billion in 2018. Combined, the Indian unicorns are worth $111 billion, or one-eighth of China's. The gap between India and China will close. Today, despite really starting to create unicorns consistently over the past five years, India has more unicorns than any other country except the U.S. and China, and potentially the U.K., depending on which list you look at. The Indian startups ecosystem is just starting to hit its stride, Of the 33 Indian unicorns, 27 crossed the billion-dollar mark since GEO's launch in 2016. While there are a host of factors, Reliance and GEO have undoubtedly made things better for the tech ecosystem. Indian tech companies refer to their GEO moment when their user engagement charts shot upwards because more people were able to access their products. Startups that are largely built on top of GEO's infrastructure are beating it across the categories in which they compete. Flipkart, which is owned by Walmart, has a head start on Geomart and e-commerce as to companies like Jumbotail on the grocery, grocery wholesale side and Facebook-backed Misho in social commerce. Alibaba and SoftBank-backed Paytm has 150 million users and is valued at $16 billion. And BaiJu's is the most valuable edtech startup in the world, not just India, at $10.8 billion and has a massive lead on Geo's and Byju. It's still early and reliance has the resources, relationships, and partnerships to put up a good fight. But the question is... Why should it? As Indian startups go global, the opportunity is so large that reliance should back Indian startups to take on the world. To date, most of the Indian startup ecosystem has been inward-looking. Companies made in India, made for India. Flipkart is Amazon for India. Paytm is Am Financial for India. India has mainly exported the raw material of tech, engineering and management talent, instead of finished products, entire companies. Already, Indian-born CEOs run some of the largest companies in the U.S., Indians lead Google, Microsoft, IBM, Adobe, and more tech giants, controlling trillions of dollars worth of market cap. Mukesh Ambani runs India's largest company, but its company is only the fifth, fifth most valuable company globally run by an Indian CEO. India will continue to export some of the best tech talent in the world, particularly as COVID has made remote work an accepted reality. The country is expected to have the most software developers in the world by 2023, and companies like Pesto are training Indian developers to be remote employees for U.S. startups and tech companies, upgrading them from outsourced resources to full-fledged members of the team. But India is also poised to become an exporter of finished tech products in a COVID-shaped world that is increasingly remote and tech-focused. Byju's, the 10-cent-backed education platform, is the most valuable ed-tech startup in the world. It recently acquired coding school White Hat Junior, which runs these incredible commercials against cricket matches. And there's a video in the, in the post. But note... Incredible as an in entertaining, critics charge that White Hat Junior is running a misleading advertising and that its instruction quality has suffered in its pursuit of growth at all costs. Mo Money, Mo Problems is a universal startup phenomenon. Baiju's is gearing up to launch both products in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and Germany. Another Indian edtech deck startup, Quizzes, is used by 30% of elementary through high schools in the US and boasts an astonishingly high 82 NPS. Made in India, made for India, made for the world. At the earlier stage, Sequoia Surge lets Sequoia India invest earlier without signaling risk if the main fund doesn't do follow-on rounds. Its structure allows it to experiment, and it's currently working on building companies in India for a global audience. Typically, a startup would launch in the US, operate in the US, maybe hire a few remote engineers in India, and hire a local GM to try to enter the Indian market. Surge's program flips that on its head. It builds companies in India to serve both the domestic and global markets, with executive product and engineering teams in India and GMs or local marketing positions in the markets they serve. For example, Anjuno, which offers a high interest checking product and is an upcoming not boring sponsor, is built and run from India with one person on the ground in the US to provide local market knowledge, expertise, and relationships. Indian startups now both make for India and make for the world, increasing the potential for China-sized outcomes. Particularly given the Western world's growing hesitation to work with Chinese tech companies If India can make for India and make for the world, it has the potential to close the startup valuation gap with China and even surpass it over the next decade. One Indian entrepreneur and angel investor put the opportunity this way. What has changed? India can build for the world. We have the best talent and the best minds and no shortage of passion and hunger. Chinese entrepreneurs are the only ones that have equal or better energy and passion to create a global impact, but they've had policies that have not allowed for that. There's something to be said for policy and language we will see India leapfrog China in terms of global impact. As it stands though, Chinese investors will capture most of the upside from that impact than Indian ones will. Backed by the world. Atmanir Barbarat does not jibe with the current state of the investment world in which, when an Indian startup succeeds, foreign investors, and most disagreeably and prominently the Chinese, get wealthy. In fact, of the 11 funds that have invested in at least three Indian unicorns, none is entirely Indian. SoftBank leads the way with 11 Indian unicorn investments, and of the 12 largest Indian startups, only one, Freshworks, hasn't taken money from any of SoftBank, Tencent, or Alibaba. But SoftBank is clearly Japanese, and Tencent and Alibaba are clearly Chinese, and India's Asian neighbors are clearly benefiting from the rising valuation of Indian startups more than Reliance. If you look at the top 10 private unicorns, it's Paytm at $16 billion, Baiju's at 11, Oyo at 10. Ola at six, Zomato at four, Swiggy at four, Freshworks at four billion, Paytm Mall at three billion, Udon at three billion, Dream11 at three billion. Only Freshworks on that entire list doesn't have investments from Tencent, Softbank, or Alibaba, and about half of them have in, have investments from Softbank and one of Tencent or Alibaba. Softbank is the leading Indian unicorn investor by number of deals, eleven, and second by total valuation, forty-nine point one billion. The Chinese giants aren't far behind. When I was researching Tencent, I noted that it has shown a particular affinity for non-gaming investments in India, the only other country with as large a population as China's. It has invested in e-commerce standout Flipkart, transportation unicorn Ola, education startup Baiju's, food delivery app Swiggy, and fintech darling Katabook, among others. The numbers back that up. Tencent invested in eight Indian unicorns and is the largest investor by valuation with $49.5 billion worth of Indian unicorns in his portfolio. Alibaba isn't far behind, with five Indian unicorn investments valued at a combined $24.6 billion. In a country that so tightly controls who can invest in its companies, recall that Indian companies cannot list directly on foreign exchanges yet, allowing foreign investors to become the largest owners of India's fastest-growing startups had to be an intentional decision. It was designed to increase foreign investment in the country to stimulate growth. However, given the fresh enmity between China and India, the Indian government passed legislation mandating its approval for any investments for countries with with which it shares a border, most notably China. As a result of the new law, 3.6 billion dollar food delivery startup Zomato reportedly can't access 100 to 150 million dollars of, it, of its investment from China's Ant Financial. This legislation comes at a time when Indian startups are beginning to build novel products for export beyond the domestic market. Like China a decade ago, many of the Indian unicorns listed above take ideas that have been popular in the West and adapt them to a domestic market that is unique, complex, and protected enough that it is difficult for Western companies to establish a foothold. All of which leaves us here. A thriving Indian startup ecosystem with the third or fourth most unicorns in the world, increased consumer and business demand driven in large part by Reliance Geo's platform and retail products, macro conditions shifting in India's favor, including China's practical expulsion from the country, at least temporarily, and a focus on Atmanir Bar meaning that both both a vast TAM expansion for the best Indian startups and a gaping hole will be filled by an investor that will keep the financial upside in India. Reliance and GEO have the opportunity to take advantage of antipathy towards China to provide growth-stage capital to Indian startups that were until now largely funded by their Asian neighbors. Reliance's Tencent and SoftBank Opportunity The genius of Reliance's Asian tech conglomerate peers Tencent, Alibaba, and SoftBank has to turn, been to turn cash flows from its core businesses into investments in fast-growing startups at home and abroad. The Indian startup scene is roaring at the same time that China-Indian relations are frayed and Atmanir Bharat Barbarat is in the air. That presents a golden opportunity for Reliance and one that the company is hinted at wanting to capture. Reliance needs to become the next in line of Asian conglomerates turned growth funds, one made in India, made for India, and made for the world. To date, to Ambani, made in India has meant made by Reliance. Increasingly, made in India should mean backed by Reliance. At the end of Reliance's long section on GEO and its most recent annual general meeting, Mukesh Ambani made an appeal to Indian startups. He said, GEO is still very much a startup. As such, we have a very special place in our heart for startups, who we consider to be our brother in arms. I believe there is no better partner for Indian startups than GEO. We are well positioned to help Indian startups in a number of ways, technology development, product development, distribution market access, or even scale up capital. We believe that this will be the true measure of success for GEO, to create a mighty knowledge coalition that solves India's problems and opens the door for many more companies from India to step successfully onto the global stage. Ambani paints a compelling picture of a reliance supported startup boom, but thus far, it has made only limited forays into scale-up capital. Instead, it has competed with or fully acquired startups to roll into its own offerings. Instead of just acquiring, it should build up a portfolio of investments. I don't think that it's coincidence that many of the investors in geo-platforms and Reliance Retail, like the Saudi Public Investment Fund, Mubadala, and Adia, are also some of the world's largest venture fund backers. Leaving SoftBank off the cap table and dealing directly with the Vision Fund's LPs signals, to me at least, that Reliance is looking to cut out the middleman and start aggressively investing themselves. The move would make sense for both offensive and defensive reasons. The points on the offensive side are easy to understand. They capture upside beyond reliance. Investing in India's top startups helps reliance capture the financial upside to help create a $750 billion opportunity if it just catches up to where China is today. It supports portfolio companies. It has the opportunity to put its thumb on the scales for the companies that it backs in India. It'll cement Mukesh's legacy. Investing further cements his push from energy and petrochemicals into technology. And he can kind of become a less crazy masa on the world stage. And four, it transforms the world. Mukesh has publicly stated that the world will change more in the next eight decades than it has in the previous 2,000 years. Investing in a portfolio of early and growth stage companies is the most surefire way to capture that upside that, that creates. The points on the defensive side are less obvious, but even more important. One, it de-risks succession. Mukesh knows all too well that succession battles can tear a family apart. If you've watched Cricket Fever Mumbai Indians, which follows the Indians' 2018 IPL season and heavily features his son and potential heir, Akash, you know that Mukesh needs to diversify against his succession risk. While Isha seems to have more potential, investing in a broad portfolio of the best Indian and eventually global startups would protect the company from relying solely on the third generation of Ambani's. Two, it turns Reliance from bully to benefactor. One of the biggest knocks on geo platforms is that even if its products, like its payment and chat apps are inferior to startups, it will suck the air and money out of the startup ecosystem by outspending and undercutting new entrants. Instead of starving young competitors, Reliance should back them, Anything the company does that is seen as supporting instead of limiting the Indian tech ecosystem will let it to continue to operate in its quasi-monopoly status without strong public backlash. And three, it'll help them keep prices low. Reliance caught heat for anti-competitive practices by extending GEO's free period past the common 90-day window and then jacking prices once customers were locked in. While price gouging may be better for profits in the short term, building an engine that benefits from the overall health of the economy will allow GEO to keep prices low while still capturing upside. Tencent doesn't even charge for WeChat. It does well when the people and companies that use it do well. Depending on the success of geo platforms, there are two approaches that Reliance might take as it goes down the mega corporate venture route, the SoftBank approach and the Tencent approach. The Tencent approach. As I wrote in Tencent The Ultimate Outsider, Tencent leveraged its super app, WeChat, and its position with the government to invest in companies at home and abroad. In China, it runs the Tencent Capital and Traffic Flywheel, See which companies perform well on WeChat, invest in them, send them more traffic, and profit. It has invested in Chinese giants like Meituan, Dianping, JD.com, and Pinduoduo using this approach. Tencent also leverages its place as a gateway to China to invest in foreign companies, including Spotify, Snap, and Tesla. As mentioned earlier, it's also the largest investor in Indian startups by market cap. With an increased focus on Indian self-reliance and increased scrutiny on Chinese investment in the country, those are investments that Reliance should be making instead of Tencent. It's beginning to look a lot like Tencent already. It's working on a super app for india like tencent it's focusing on smart retail with reliance retail and geomart and its dominant position and close ties with the government mean that foreign companies that want to play in india are all but forced to partner with reliance if it succeeds in building a super app reliance will be in a similar position in india to ten cents in china it will be able to see which indian startups are performing well in its ecosystem invest in them and give them capital and traffic to all but guarantee success like tencent It can invest off its own balance sheet, now that it's debt-free, hugely profitable, and focused on tech growth. And it can invest even more in the winners to acquire controlling stakes and turn them into subsidiaries, as it did with Biden. It can also invest in foreign companies, both public and private, who want preferential access to the Indian market. Through retail and geo, Reliance has already done so much of the hard work to wrangle supply and demand that it can present a ready-made package to foreign companies who want to launch or grow in India. Currently, a geo is building many of the end-user-facing applications in-house, but if it can become the platform, Via which both domestic startups and foreign companies access India, its potential is unlimited. I have zero doubt that India will be one of, if not the most important tech stories in the coming decade. By investing broadly in supporting its portfolio, and supporting can be a pretty strong word when it comes to Reliance in India, it can capture upside no matter which sectors or companies succeed in India. Unlike Tencent, Reliance doesn't even have an Alibaba to compete against. It's the undisputed leader in the market, which means that its upside is potentially unlimited should India continue to catch up to China. And become the preferred Asian opportunity for foreign investors. The SoftBank approach. In Masa Madness, I wrote about Masa's journey to transform SoftBank from a PC software distributor to a telco to the world's largest and most profligate venture fund. With the success of GEO, Reliance underwent a similar transition from an energy and petrochemicals company into India's largest telco. It may continue to follow SoftBank's path, using a combination of cash from its operating businesses and investments from LPs to spin up an off balance sheet fund to invest in growth stage startups. Its relationships with the GEO and retail investors place it uniquely to build its own, more domestically focused, less insane version of SoftBank's vision fund. Today, SoftBank is the largest investor in Indian unicorns by number of investments. But two things signal Reliance's desire to compete instead of partner with the Japanese giant. One, SoftBank was looking actually to invest 2 to $3 billion in GEO but never closed the investment, either because SoftBank was forced to sell assets to raise cash or because Reliance wouldn't have it. SoftBank is currently sitting on the wait list for Reliance retail investment. And two, Reliance is raising money direct, directly from Vision Fund LPs. Instead of using Masa as an intermediary, Ambani built direct relationships with the Saudis and Mubadala. Look at SoftBank's LPs versus GEO and retail's investors. Reliance doesn't need SoftBank, and given the mission of Atmanir Barbarat, I don't think that India's startups will either if Reliance enters the growth equity fray. The Vision Fund's two largest investors also invested in GEO retail, as did Qualcomm, and Jio has spoken to Foxconn about manufacturing its higher-end life smartphones. Instead of SoftBank's Apple and Sharp, Reliance has Facebook, Google, Intel, and potentially Amazon. Instead of Larry Ellison, Reliance has KKR, TPG, Silver Lake, Catadin, General Atlantic, GIC, and Vista Equity Partners. In the SoftBank approach, Reliance raises a fund from these investors to use this advantageous position in India to invest in growth stage and public companies, both domestic and foreign, who want to operate in India. Increasingly, that will be every company. The SoftBank approach is lower risk, lower upside than the Tencent approach of investing off its own balance sheet. I think the company is more likely to take the Tencent approach. It's closer to the company's historical approach of vertically integrating and capturing more upside, but either approach is better long-term play than its current one. In either scenario, Reliance has a scale, expertise, and relationships to pull this off. Geo and Retail have taken in more investment in the past six months than the entire Indian ecosystem raised in 2019. Indian startups raised $14.5 billion dollars, Reliance has a stated desire to work with startups. Prime Minister Modi has been friendly to Reliance, often to the detriment of foreigners, and his Atmanir Barbar mission seems to call for local funding instead of the traditional reliance on outside capital, no pun intended, and its better positioned than anyone to capture the upside if India grows and exports its expertise to the rest of the world. Reliance can ride the Indian tech wave with its operating businesses if the demand stays in India, but it has the desire to do more. Made in India, made for India, made for the world. It's the playbook that Reliance is beginning to run itself, and it should open that playbook up to Indian startups and keep the upside from those companies' global success in India. Made in India, backed by Reliance. When I ran the idea that Reliance should become a growth equity investor past a few people involved in the Indian tech ecosystem, I got some variation of the following That's probably what they should do, but it's not in their DNA. Their culture is all about building and owning everything. It's hard to argue with the embodied results. Reliance's stock, which is compounded at a 32% compound annual growth rate for an astonishing 43 years, is already up 44% year-to-date, making it the first company in Indian history to trade a $200 billion market cap. But the in- internet behaves differently than infrastructure. It's an environment of abundance and power law returns. On the internet, it's often better to own a smaller piece of the category leader than it is to own all of the second- or third-place company. Today, Reliance is the only company in India worth over $200 billion dollars. In a decade, there are likely to be many, and Reliance should fatil- facilitate that explosion and participate in the upside. If it can pull off the transition from operator and investee to operator and investor, it will remain the best way to invest in India for decades to come. So how to play it. It's difficult to invest in Reliance because of Indian laws around foreign listing. You'd need to set up an Indian bank account and a DMAT account, or just buy something like an INDA ETF, of which Reliance makes up about 16% of the weight. But as we speak, driven in part by Reliance's desire to offer shares in GEO on the NASDAQ, India is hammering out changes to its laws that would allow its companies to list directly on foreign exchanges. If that happens, and if Reliance lists in the U.S., I think its price could explode. Spend the next few months before listing getting smart on India, starting with Reliance. It's a company to watch and learn from. Not many companies can make the transition from one generation of leadership to the next from old-line industries like oil and petrochemicals to new technology infrastructure, platforms, and smart retail. Its next act, investing in Indian unicorns before they hit the scale of China's startup darlings, could be its most impressive and impactful yet. India is the next tech superpower. Its companies are going to make in India, make for India, and then export to the rest of the world. Indian tech today is like China a decade ago, with more upside given the two countries' relative status in the West. I'm bullish on reliance whether it continues to vertically integrate or begins to invest in India's startup ecosystem. Owning the infrastructure in a fast-growing market is super valuable. But over time, I believe the latter approach will lead to an outcome that is multiples better than the former. Investing in Indian startups is a both smart, offensive, and defensive move and will ensure that the company can thrive, even with the eventual internal and governmental succession. Chakde India. So that's all for today. We will be back on Thursday with a Not Boring investment memo. I'm excited for it. Uh, Go to notboring.substack.com to subscribe if you haven't yet uh, and leave some feedback on the post. We'd love to hear what you think.